fast and slow. Do intensive projects work better than slow ones? Say you want to learn French. Would you do better if you studied for 100 hours in a year-long course, two hours per week, or if those hours were compressed into a month, say 20 hours per week? Surprisingly, the answer seems to be that more intensive language education programs do better. This appears to be a fairly consistent research finding in the dozen or so studies where the comparison has been made. Quoting from a paper by Raquel Serrano and Carmen Munoz, we analyzed the performance of adult students enrolled in three different types of EFL programs in which the distribution of time varies. The first one, called extensive, distributes a total of 110 hours in seven months, semi-intensive, which offers the same number of hours distributed in three to four months, and intensive courses offering 110 hours in five weeks. The result from our analysis suggests that concentrating the hours of English instruction in shorter periods of time is more beneficial for the students' learning than distributing them in many months. The research is surprising because the spacing effect is one of psychology's most robustly replicated effects. Essentially, when material is presented repeatedly, spaced out over time, it results in enhanced memory compared to repeated presentations over relatively short succession periods. Now what's going on here? So when I first stumbled onto this research a couple weeks ago, it really surprised me. If any research result felt solid, it was the spacing effect. While the spacing effect and the seeming superiority of intensive language instruction are not necessarily incompatible, they're definitely in tension. So here might be some speculative explanations for what might be going on. One, spacing makes learning harder, sometimes too hard. So spacing is one of the desirable difficulties that increases efficiency at the cost of short-term performance difficulties. However, added complexity can sometimes flip the expected benefit of these desirable difficulties. So contextual interference, for instance, tends to be helpful, but it can backfire for complex skills or poorer students. Similarly, retrieval practice tends to be helpful, unless the person can't retrieve what they're trying to remember. So these results suggest that the optimal studying technique for complex skills changes over time, starting with more massed, blocked review, and then shifting to spaced, interleaved, and retrieved presentation. So given that most people in language classes do not leave with conversational fluency, it may be that the complexity of language learning interferes with the expected benefits of spacing. Two, spacing of individual items is independent of overall classroom intensiveness. So a leading explanation for the spacing effect, although hardly the only one, is that spacing works because massed practice results in deficient processing of repeated information. So when you see the same vocabulary word multiple times in a row, you stop paying attention to it. In contrast, when the same word comes up at a spaced interval, you can attend to it fresh each time since you can't easily remember it from your short-term memory. Now, it's possible that in the time frame studied, individual items of vocabulary and grammar are being spaced out just fine in the intensive programs, so the efficiency gains of the extensive schedule are not observed. Number three, intensive classes are just more motivating or attract more motivated students. Now, perhaps the results aren't cognitive at all. It might simply be that an intensive class is more enjoyable, motivating, or results in a better classroom experience. Serrano and Munoz cite one study that evaluated the qualitative performance on intensive, extensive studying schedules and found that the intensive classrooms had better group cohesion and motivation. Then again, this would also make sense if the students were also learning better in those classes. 
In arguing for my own intensive language immersion bursts, I similarly relied on a non-cognitive argument. I found that the habit of speaking a particular language quickly becomes entrenched when meeting new people, which is often the case when you're traveling abroad. Since English is widespread, there's a tendency to default to speaking English even if you study enough to converse in the new language. So this motivated the no English rule that Vat and I employed while traveling so that we could actually spend a lot of time speaking the language. Number four, perhaps the tests weren't delayed enough. Alternatively, perhaps this research is just a red herring. Maybe the extensive groups would have performed better if the comparison of intensive and extensive training was spread out five years later, perhaps. A well-known consequence of the spacing effect is that mass presentations tend to be more effective initially, but their advantage fades out and reverses over time. So nonetheless, given that we often enroll in a French or Spanish class aiming to be able to have conversations now, rather than be mildly better non-conversationally in half a decade, these research results probably shouldn't be ignored. Rethinking spacing. So as someone who's made a big show of taking on big, intensive projects, I've often been at least mildly embarrassed by the dissonance between the time frame of those projects and my repetition of the usual advice to space out studying to perform better. But perhaps there's less tension than I had originally thought. It appears that studies of actual classroom language learning seem to weigh more in favor of the approach I've intuitively preferred, working through an intensive burst to get semi-conversational and then following with periodic review rather than studying in 20-minute daily sessions from the get-go. Now, rather than over-adjust my current advice, two things seem to hold regardless. One, spacing for individual items is still very important. So things like flashcards with space reviews or programs like Pimsleur or Duolingo that encourage review of previous units or even revisiting old classroom exercises are still likely to be beneficial. Spacing should be applied within a studying program, even if the advice of the overall intensity of how long you stretch it over is less clear. Two, intensive projects should be followed by more leisurely maintenance. So even if you get an intensive burst and it can quickly get you to proficiency, it probably makes sense to continue to practice at a more leisurely spread out pace for the months or years to follow if you don't want that proficiency to decline too abruptly. Reading this research has made me curious about the effects of intensive versus extensive curricula for other subjects. Do those in programming boot camps forget more than their college counterparts who spread CS classes over four years? Is an executive MBA worse for management thinking than one who is taking the program over a couple years? I don't have any answers, but I'm curious in light of this unexpected research. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.